0: Thank you for joining us today on the LTC-DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host today, Jessica Kunkler, and I am here with AADNS's Vice President of Curriculum Development, Amy Stewart, to discuss how care planning is impacted by new regulation. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Jessica. I'm delighted to be here today. Amy, it seems there have been there's been a lot of discussion centered around care plans these days. If care plans have always been required, why is there such a big concern now? Jessica, yes, uh, the requirement
1: to have a care plan has not changed. Care plans are still the link between resident assessment and care provision, but in recent years there has been a shift in who is involved in the care planning process and level of detail that the care plan must contain. Care plan regulations today require person-centered, comprehensive care plans that are consistent with resident residents' rights uh, regulations. So let's think about this for just a minute. There are two key points regarding care plans here, person-centered and consistent with residents' rights. This means that the resident has the right to fully participate in the care planning process. This includes, but is not limited to, the right to participate in establishing goals and outcomes, the right to decide who will be included in the planning process, and the right to be informed in advance of changes to the plan of care. It also means that the care plan must be individualized to, the res- to that resident using the information that they provide
0: while being in- involved in the care planning process. So you are saying that care plans need to be personalized to the resident and based on input from residents. What happens when care plans aren't person-centered? Well, Jessica, when care plans lack input from the resident,
1: there's a much greater chance that the care plan will not be person-centered And care plans that are developed using the same generalized interventions do not take into consideration the unique needs of that resident. For example, if you have a resident who has an intervention to be turned every two hours, and his or her tissue tolerance is such that it requires them to be turned every hour, then the care plan wasn't tailored to that resident's unique needs. If, as a result, the resident develops a pressure ulcer, the facility is likely looking at getting cited not only for pressure ulcers, but also for care plans as well.
0: Amy, how can our listeners really work to include residents and their families in the care planning process and avoid survey citations? Jessica, there are several things our
1: listeners can do. Well, let's start with three things they can start to do if they're not already doing them already. First, monitor at-risk residents. Nurse leaders can hold weekly meetings with the entire disciplinary team to discuss residents with the highest risk of encountering a poor outcome. This this should include newly admitted residents, newly readmitted residents, and those residents that have had a change in condition or a recent incident, such as a fall or maybe a pressure ulcer development. During these meetings, have the care plans available so that the updates can be done immediately with the whole IDT present there and providing input. Secondly, educate frontline staff on how care plans are created and updated. There have been several survey citations where surveyors have uh, approached frontline staff and mainly CNAs and asked them how they know about care plans and how they know they've been updated. And the citations uh, from these revolved around staff responding by saying that they had no idea or even saying they can't even access the care plans. Only nurses can do that. That's why it is so important to include frontline staff, including CNAs, on the ins and outs of how care plans are developed and who is involved in the development. The same holds true with residents and family members. Involved, Make sure that they know that surveyors are going to be asking about their involvement in the care plan. And you want them to be able to say that, yes, indeed, they've provided that input, input into the care plan. And then lastly, audit for effective care plan interventions. Pick five charts a week and read through the care plans. While reviewing those care plans, ask yourself, do these care plans all look the same? Are the interventions effective for this particular resident? Ask the resident if he or she was involved in the development of the care plan. If the fines are not what you expected, staff will need to be educated on the process. The good news is you can find your own concerns and get them addressed before surveyors walk into your building.
0: That's very helpful information. Is there anything else that our listeners need to be aware of, Amy? One last thing, Jessica. Very soon, CMS will be
1: lifting the temporary moratorium on imposing certain enforcement remedies for specific Phase 2 requirements. Initially, when Phase 2 requirements of participation were rolled out last November or November of 2017, excuse me, um, there was a 18 month period where facilities would not get enforcement re- remedies for specific phase 2 requirements. And this included baseline care plans. So now is a great time to audit your baseline care plans to ensure that they are created timely. So within that 48 hour time frame, And that the facility has provided the resident and the resident representative, if if applicable, with a written summary of the baseline care plan by completion of the comprehensive care plan. And you want to make sure that all of the required elements of that base, that's a tongue twister, baseline
0: care plan are present. Thank you so much, Amy. Listeners, for more resources and tools, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org. For more updates on regulation requirements and changes, you can also follow Amy on Twitter at S underscore aadns and subscribe to the LTC DON chat podcast series.